Hello again, friends, and welcome to another edition of Dunkle Vision. We are so excited to talk to our guest today. He has been working consistently as an actor in this industry for over four decades. You know him from the big screen in movies like Fatal Attraction, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, and the Xenon movies, and his television shows, not necessarily the news, and of course, Dinosaurs. We are so excited to talk to Stuart Pankin. And we're live to tape. Stuart, what's going on, brother? Thanks for joining us on Dunkle Vision. A pleasure. Nice to talk to you guys. What coast are you on right now? Where are you coming to us from today? I'm on the West Coast at the edge of the continent. That's that's where I went. I went as far as I could go without having to swim a few hot thousand miles. Beautiful Los Angeles, right? Beautiful Glendale. I should be more specific, my friend. Glendale. I've been there many yes, times. Yes, sir. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Philadelphia. Oh, wow. Are you years an Eagles in Philadelphia? fan? It's a good year for both of us. I'm from Buffalo, so I'm looking for a Super Bowl. Bill's Eagles. Let's go. Mark it down. Okay. I just I'm, predicted it. I, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. I'm an Eagles fan. I, yeah. ha- I was when I was there. I used to I used to look. But I was a kid. I moved away. Yeah. I moved to Massachusetts, moved back, Philadelphia, New York, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So you, you still have allegiance, though. As long as you're not a Patriots fan. I know you said you spent time in uh, Massachusetts. I'm going to have to cut this short if you're a Patriots fan. I'm more, I'm more <laughs> of a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Yeah, I grew up a Steelers fan when I was a little kid. You know, when I was about 9 or 10 years old. I don't know why. I've said this before. I still, to this day, I'm, my whole family really hated me because they were all staunch Buffalo Bills fan. And I had there's not a picture of me of that age without my Steelers hat on. I think I just saw black and gold. And thought that looks cool. We did. Uh, and- we did theater where the where the where the Steelers train had their summer workouts. Oh, cool! And we used to see him go to lunch, and I used to. We were friendly with the trainer, and when I hurt my leg, I got to sit in the Steeler hot tub and watch all these Joe Green and Terry Bradshaw, all those guys walk by. Oh, so unbelievable! We were, it, it was sort of a yeah, it was great, and and all the people in Pennsylvania that. I work with were huge Steelers fans, uh, so uh, yeah, I, I still I have a little, you know, little 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 space in my heart for the Steelers. Oh yeah, I think I just uh, I just I felt good to be a winner in '78 and '79. Oh, they were winners. The Bills were not yeah, winners. they were big winners. I used to see Chuck Noll, what's his name, play you know play tennis with with the guys out out of my window on the tennis court. I mean, it was it was like you felt kind of not part of the team, but you felt kind of part of the experience. You know, yeah, so, yeah, you just the, that that history and that lore—that's amazing. So, let me ask you this: We, the, one of our first questions we always ask is, "What is your origin story? What is it that caused you to say, I want to be in in the arts? I want to be a lead a life of creativity and get into this crazy business?" Was it was it at a young age? When did that first strike you? Well, it started when the sperm and the egg came together, <laughs> and I said, "I know since, I want to be an actor." Since before birth, I love it. I was always kind of a, a, a performative kid when I was young. I uh, used to play, you know, for the family, sing and dance at the family uh, outings. There was no, and then I went to high school, there was no theater in, in high school, junior high school, because the auditorium collapsed. I mean, so there was oh, no. no theater program in high school. Yeah. So I did what I could, and I went to college and, uh, as a psychology major. But I knew that wasn't where my heart was. So I walked across the dark, cold, scary campus to the audition for the first play when I was a freshman. And uh, I was hooked. I mean, Dave Brubaker, who was our director, mentor, teacher, friend. I mean, I, he was he was 
inspiring. So it was in college that I really, you know, I, the hook got in my mouth and dragged me to the seven seas. Now, let me ask you this. Do you remember the name of the play? What was what was your first role? Oh, it was Our Town. It was Our Town, and I was I okay, was a cool. townsperson. I moved, I moved furniture. I was, you know, that's what I did. So that's, uh, yeah, so that's how I, I got started, and I did every, we didn't have a, a theater major at, at Dickinson where I went to college. So there yeah. were five classes, uh, and I, I took four because Dave said, you know, you're acting enough, so you don't have to take the acting class. I took every class right. I could, and uh, now Dickinson has a uh, has a thriving theater uh, department, so that's yeah. good. Uh, but in in my day, my friend in the theater group said English is the best major for a theater person at that time because there was no theater, major. and so I became an English major, and that's my formative origin story. Nice, yeah. You know, <laughs> I started a fine. I started out as a finance major. And I decided I didn't want any part of that backstabbing, cutthroat, disgusting world. So I thought I'll give showbiz a oh, try. And, and and showbiz, yeah, that's right. You, you, you got away from all that stuff from the show business. There's nothing backstabbing about. I transferred schools. I went to Rochester. I went to school in Rochester, Rochester Institute of Technology, RIT, as a finance major. And then I started doing stand up and I wanted to transfer. I, I transferred to St. Bonaventure. You ever heard of St. Bonaventure University? Yeah. It's in uh, Western New York. Bob Lanier, if you're a basketball fan, they went to the Final Four many, many, many years ago. But um, I had a professor that was a finance professor, but he played golf against my brothers. I have several older brothers, so he knew me. He knew of me, and then I tried to switch majors. I wanted to go from finance to communications because it was more I wanted to learn more about television, and I was doing stand-up right. comedy. And he pulled me aside when he found out, and he said, what are you, what are you doing, man? He's like, look, I know you're you're new, you're doing stand up, and maybe you'll be the next Jay Leno, but the odds are that you're not. You really should stay in finance, and that was the motivating factor for me. I'll show you. You know, I, I'm I'm a big responder to negative negative criticism like that. Like, I'll, follow I'll, I'll, your dreams. I'll go out there and I'll make it, and then I'll lose everything. I'll show you, sir. <laughs> so you were doing, you did your first play in college. Did you get your, did you stick it out and get, and get it? Did, did you graduate? Because I left a little early. I took a semester off and I never went back. No, no, no. I graduated as an English major. Then I went to uh, Columbia University uh, graduate program and got a master's in theater. Wow. So you are intelligent. Uh, where I met my wife, which was, which is a great thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm so smart. It's frightening. <laughs> <laughs> I do this a lot. <laughs> so how long, so you lived in New York then? I lived in New York uh, from about for ten years while I was going to school, and then uh, I auditioned. I was doing a show called Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which was sure. a wonderful experience. And a bunch of agents came, and in New York, you didn't have to sign with an agent. So some agent submitted me for uh, an Aaron Spelling show called The San Pedro Beach Bums and submitted me for it, and I auditioned. For that, and I got a part in that, and uh, we kept our. We moved to California after the pilot sold, and we, we kept our New York apartment for a while because we didn't know. Because I, you know, we loved my wife and I. We love theater. Um, uh -huh. When you're in New York, you always figure out. You're saying to yourself, "How do I get to Hollywood? How do I get to California and make that money?" And when you're in Hollywood, you say, "How do I get back to New York? How can I do theater?" You know, because that's where your heart is. 
Now, let me ask you, I'm always fascinated by this because I had to make the decision. Do you, you know, that's what everybody told me. You moved to New York or you moved to L.A. Now, you know, growing up in Western New York, it probably would have made more sense for me to go to New York. But I, I just always found New York City so intimidating. I'm from a town of one streetlight. At least L.A., it's all spread out. What was that experience? So you yeah. were you were with you were in a relationship when you moved to Los Angeles or, or, or to New York. I'm curious as to what that experience was for being the first time in a, in, a, in, a, in the big city like that. Well, first of all, as a kid, we had grown up so lovely. We spent uh, any numbers of of t- of time in New York. Did you? My uncle uh, used to take us to, uh, to to New York for Christmas. I stayed with my 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 aunt. He put us up at the Waldorf. He was a wealthy man. Wow. So I New York. I I, I New York was was kind of. Uh, I knew about New York. I knew sure. the, the vibe, the feeling. When when I moved to New York, uh, finally, uh, it was uh, it was intimidating is too strong a word, but it was vibrant. It was you know it filled your mind. It filled your your, your senses. I mean, sure. I mean in, a, in, a, in a way, as an actor and as a director in college, I was inspired by by the bustle and the hustle and the sure. of of New York. I mean, it literally, uh, I, it, the muse kissed the New York muse kissed me on the lips, and I went. But then I found out that <laughs> the, the, you know some some very good ideas. Yeah, so New York wasn't intimidating, uh, and uh, like I said in Colombia, uh, I, I met. The woman that that I am still married to, so that was great, and we had some great friends. So New York was was was, was terrific. I mean, it was it was home for those right, ten right. years. It was just home. I mean, I worked at Lincoln Center, I worked at New York Shakespeare Festival, you know. So I became very familiar and comfortable with walking the streets. I knew all the subway stops and the bus routes. I mean, it was home. Yeah, I was always just nervous. I was going the wrong direction, and I'd fr- afraid to ask anybody where I am, and is somebody going to kill me? And don't touch anything. And what is that? What am I sticking to? It oh, was you just... poor, poor boy. <laughs> but you know what? I wasn't staying at the Waldorf either. So I mean, there's a big difference. That's true. <laughs> well, I didn't stay at the Waldorf a lot, <laughs> although I worked at the Waldorf. Got home alone over here. So you mentioned that this spelling pilot, is that when you moved to, to uh, California or did you just come out for the pilot? What yeah. ended up happening with that? Spelling used to do a ton of stuff. I didn't I didn't move to, I, I went to California for the pilot. Just went out for it, okay. And then there was some, there was, we shot that, I came back, because who knows what's going to happen. Sure. And then uh, there were reshoots, so I flew back for that. We did some research, directed by Aaron Spelling himself, actually. And then sat around and waited. And when the pilot sold, then we then we had to make a big decision. So we we came to uh, California, found an apartment, and stayed. You know, for a while. Like I said, I kept my apartment because I well, you never know. It lasted ten shows, uh, which is not a long, long time. Sure. Uh, but I had signed by that time. I had signed a, a, a holding deal with Universal, which kept me working or kept me in in, in town for another year. Then we made the decision. We got rid of the apartment in New York and, and decided to stay. And uh, and then work led to work and blah, blah, blah. And here I am talking to you. Where was your first apartment in L.A.? Culver City. Okay. Culver City. It was, between, it was halfway between San Pedro, where we shot some of the bums, and halfway between 20th Century Fox. It was a perfect place for us to, to be. Didn't like it, but we were there. And when the pilot ended, we found other places. We found a house. It's a big adjustment moving from New York City to here. You know? Yes. Yes. We left a lot of friends and and sure. the whole, as you know, to quote the kids vibe is a lot different here than the I mean in New York, 
I worked at the Milligan Show at the Waldorf, and they picked me up. They picked us up at six o'clock in the morning, and we went there. It was a Milligan breakfast show. You should look it up. It's a fabulous story of his of show. And New York was empty. I mean, the streets were empty. So when I had to be at the 20th Century Fox at uh, uh, at seven o'clock, seven thirty, I said, "Okay, I'll leave at six thirty or so." And you get on the freeway, and they're clogged in the morning. I mean, New York is empty in the morning. L.A. Yeah. is is you know, people are up and out. So yeah. I said, okay, well, I'll have to remember this. Yeah, it's just like, where are all you people going? It's not even the morning, too. It's like one in the afternoon. Doesn't anybody have a job? I mean, I don't. I, I have a right to be well, out here, but what what the, what do the rest somebody, of you do? Somebody was working. Somebody <laughs> was working. Somebody was going someplace. Yeah, right. Now, did, was your wife also in, in the arts? Was she in, in the acting industry? She was in theater. We, we, we did a lot of plays back east together. Oh, and great. then, uh, then suddenly, years later, when we had a, a kid, she was deeply involved in, in his life and school and parent association and uh, board of directors in his area schools. She she gave herself to him. Nice. Well, what year did you? What year was that? With that, he moved out here. Seventy seven. Wow. For the pilot, and then stayed at least till seventy eight. Why? Yeah, was on unemployment for a while because things weren't weren't clicking. Of course, that's when things started to happen. Yeah, things started to happen. So you know, it was a decent decision. Yeah. So did you have to do any other kind of work because you moved out and you're acting already? Is that did you just you were just hit the hit the ground running? Did you ever have to do anything else to support yourself? Um, No, I I did. That's amazing. For better or for worse. Well, it's it's lucky in a lot of ways. but uh, no, I never had to be a waiter or a, or a car hop or work in Hooters. I didn't have to do any of that degrading uh, stuff. Oh, you'd be great in Hooters. I know, I know. People, <laughs> if I had a dollar for everybody that told me that. No, I uh, I was lucky enough to, to you, wanted, you, you wanted to be available for the job. And also to go back east. We had family back east, so we wanted to be able to travel when we wanted to. Sure. But uh, unemployment gave you the opportunity to you know, uh, be available uh, for work. I and mean, it was uh, wasn't a lot of money in those days, but it was enough because things were cheaper. Oh, my God. Yeah, they were. My first apartment was $550. So I can only imagine oh, what the rent was, was in 77. Yeah, not, not that much. Yeah. So now let's go through what what, what other, what, what other were some of your first uh, more acting gigs after this? How long did that uh, show run, by the way, the spelling show? Ten, 10 episodes. 10 episodes. It was 10 episodes. And then, I, I, like I said, I had a development deal because of that with Universal, which they gave you a small amount of money, but you had to work for them. So eventually, at the end of that year, was doing very little. I did a pilot. So you're exclusive to them then? You can't really work with anybody else? For the year. No, you had to do, you had to do a pilot for them. And I right. did a pilot called Car Wash. With actually uh, co starred the now Emmy award winning Shirley Ralph, who was on Abbott Elementary, and nice. a bunch of a bunch of really good young kids. I didn't like it. Uh, Arnie Sullivan and Bill Dana were the writer producers. Uh, it just was the location was 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 not great. The the the, the material wasn't that great. But I, I fulfilled my obligation to Universal. And right. uh, the funny thing is, when the obligation ended. I did a, sh- a show the next the next month or so called BJ and the Bear. I think I made more money in BJ and the Bear than I did with the Universal holding fee. So, you know, it worked out okay. Everything was fine. 
That's great. Did you do a couple episodes of BJ and the Bear? I remember that very vividly. No, just one. Yeah, I, I, I it was a fun show to do. We shot it in uh, Nevada, the Calneva Lodge in Nevada, and it was cold. I mean, I remember it being cold, but I got real friendly with the chimp. There were two chimps. It was one active chimp and one sort of sedentary chimp. And I remember so clearly just enjoying being with him and hugging. So months later, there was a rap party for BJ in the bear. And I walked through the door and the chimp was sitting on his own, on his trainer's lap. And he just jumped onto my chest. The chimp remembered me uh-huh. from those months ago. And his trainer said, no, 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 you can't do that. But I, I, I just, I just love the whole experience. It was fun. It was great. That's cool. That's really that sweet. That is so cool. Have you ever heard of that show, Chris? I have heard of the show. I've never seen the show, but I have heard of it. Well, go ahead, Chris. Why don't you turn it on and then I'll get 39 cent residuals so <laughs> yeah. I can, you know, nail a man, let, nail a letter. I, I got you. You know, what's funny, Stu, is I, you know, I, I feel like you're most known for dinosaurs, but the, and that's probably the first time I heard your voice was dinosaurs, but uh, the first time I knew who you were was Nick Frino, licensed teacher, which I used to watch uh, every week uh, with my brother and uh, thought you were hilarious in that. Thank you. But when I, when I put together, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's, Earl Sinclair, that was pretty trippy for me. Yeah, Nick Crino was an interesting experience. He died very young, the guy who started. I used to Nick hang Trino. out with Mitch. He was a great guy, really, really funny comedian. We, we, we hung out a lot, actually. It was really sad. Yeah, it was sad when he died, because uh, he died so young. But yeah. uh, San Pedro, the uh, Nick Frino, well, too long, so I won't go into that. Ask me something else. It's a, just a complicated sure. story about this show being canceled, and they promised me and they promised we got time. Me we want to hear this kind of stuff. Well, uh, uh, I was I was scheduled to. Everybody saying you're going to be on the next season. Well, they canceled the next season, uh-huh. and that put me out of pilot season. So I couldn't I couldn't audition for something. So we sued them. We sued Warner Brothers. No kidding. And we won. Yeah, and the show went on. Another season wasn't very good, uh, but but we won, and that was a little. You know, somebody said, well, Warner Brothers isn't going to hire you. Well, that's not true. I worked a lot for Warner Brothers even after that uh, contretemps that we had. So that was kind of interesting in, in, in a show business, political, legal way. But everything worked yeah. out fine. That's so fascinating because I remember watching the show. I watched it every week. And then when they went to season two, I'm like, where the hell is everybody? Like most of the cast was was gone. and Gone, including Portia de Rossi. I, I miss seeing you, Stu. I know. Thank you. Right yeah. about it one. No, it's long. It's it's, it's long, long past. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, uh, great show. I I turned out to be a teacher, so I, I relate even more now to it. Uh, uh, you know, so go figure. I haven't really seen. I haven't seen yeah. the credo in you know decades. <laughs> anyway, so let's talk about how did you get the job on dinosaurs? Well, that's another complicated story. <laughs> I auditioned for the San Pedro Beach Buns, the Aaron Spound thing. Auditioning for another part <clears throat> was Michael Jacobs, who became a very successful, popular producer, writer, Girl Meets World, Boy Meets World, you know, Girl Seduces World. You know, he done a lot of things. <clears throat> and uh, he remembered me from that audition for some reason. And he was doing a show called No Soap Radio. It, it went about five, he he told me to, to, to come and audition for it, and I did. And I got the job because of, because of that. Michael, then, we became friends. And then when Dinosaurs was, was auditioning, he called me in to do that. 
and I auditioned. It was it was a wonderful job to have. Wonderful job to have. Every actor in Los Angeles auditioned for that part or, or parts in that show. Because voiceover work is, you know, it's you, you come in your underwear, you do your job, you go home. It's the best. But luckily, uh, I I I got that job as well, and it was life changing. I mean, not life changing, but it was during the pandemic. To to to, I and this is not just me; it's the show. I was getting two to four autograph requests and Funko boxes requests to sign things a day, a day for weeks, and that's because dinosaurs were on Disney Plus. That's amazing. And people were rediscovering dinosaurs. And even if people, you know, reach out to me for, you know, all the story, it's dinosaurs. It's mostly dinosaurs. I mean, I did a lot of stuff for Disney, and the kids remember me from Disney. Xenon Carr, there was three Disney movies. And they remember me from that, but mostly it's it's dinosaurs. So I'm very grateful and lucky that I, that I got that job. Are you on Cameo? I am on Cameo. I, I am on Cameo. I'm not real. I'm not getting a lot of uh, of of heat on that. Uh, uh, I, I guess I should, you know, put my tone again and try to to get stuff. I, yeah. I I've done a few things and and mostly from dinosaurs. I mean, people say, <laughs> "Hey, Earl, you know, I'm happy birthday, Charlie. It's nice to you know, it's that kind of stuff." Yeah, I would think that you would kill on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You'd, you you you'd hope. Well, what's what's amazing about dinosaurs is you know not only is it back on Disney Plus, but it still holds up like comedically. I've been rewatching it, and I'm still laughing my ass off. Do you feel like the show was ahead of its time socially and politically? Because like looking back now, it's like wow, like it almost feels like it was too smart for the early '90s. That's a good question. Uh, a lot of people, you know, people say that. I, what I take away from dinosaurs is that the puppets were great for the kids. I mean, the animatronics, the kids love to watch it, and the adults could enjoy it because of the political, social, you know, comments that the writers made on the show uh, about everything, pot, global warming, you know, gender. So was it ahead of its time? Maybe it was right where it should be. I mean, you know, I mean, and maybe that's that's why it's, uh, it's still popular with people, people who are still watching it, because it, it stands up. I mean, it, it stands The problem with Dinosaurs, to be honest with you, was the most expensive show, half-hour show at the time on television because the money to pay the actors and mostly the animatronics to upkeep those animatronic puppets was, was a lot of money. And I don't think, I, I think it ended when they wanted to end it, you know, when they were told, well, we're not going to do it again. That's why they wrote that terrific ending where the dinosaurs get it. Uh, so... Um, People keep saying, is dinosaurs going to come back? Is dinosaurs? I even wrote to Michael. I said, is dinosaurs come back? People are talking about it. He said, he said no, no, it's uh, it's done. Sure. Sure. Yeah, you never know. You know. I don't know if it was ahead of its time, but it was certainly of its time. A kind of controversial ending in some ways. I mean, it's it's poetically, it's, it's beautiful, but uh, it certainly had many different opinions about it at the time. Like, I know even some TV guys were warning parents, like, hey- Everybody, di- all all of your favorite characters die at the end of the episode, yeah. uh, but it's so powerful. Um, even with it's like great. your character at, at the end, when you know you're like dinosaurs have been around for millions of years, we couldn't just disappear one day, could we? And it's it's just so eerie and chilling because it's such a uh, a metaphor for yeah. humans. I mean, that's kind of the way I saw it. Like it was a cautionary tale. It certainly is a cautionary tale because despite what any of us think, we are going, all going to die. 
people. So dinosaurs was way ahead of his time with that. They predicted that everybody would die. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, it, it was a terrific, I think it was perfect. And you're right, some parents got upset that the kids were, were upset, and I can understand that. But it was artistically, you know, if I could shove that word into it, a wonderful way to end that show. Totally agree. But it was inevitable. It was an inevitable way to end that show. Yeah. You know, you can't, you, you didn't want to end it. Hey, friend, let's go out to dinner, you know, good night. I mean, it was a way to do it. It was a way to end that show. And I yeah. I, I guess I feel a little bad for uh, for the kids that were, were upset. But I, you know, when Bambi died, kids got upset. They didn't, you know, they didn't put a warning on Bambi, you know, or when Dumbo, you know, didn't didn't yeah, fly for a long time. The kids were upset. You know, that it happened. It's crazy for all Disney. Maybe Disney hates children. I don't know. It's Disney. What do you expect, right? We were just That's talking right. before we started today about the Lion King and how traumatized I was. And I was an adult when I saw it because I lost my father young. And like I remember there was a big deal with parents taking their kids who had just lost a parent. And, they're, you know, they're all, they're really? all traumatized now. Disney's yeah. always yeah. put a little bit of fright or, or, you know, pain. or It's very interesting what they've done over the years. And there are a lot of things out there, artistic things for kids and for adults that make you cry. I mean, they're very... Chat. I personally, to be frank with you, because just between us, I don't watch things that make me shout anymore. I mean, I don't want my endorphins to die. I, I just yeah, don't man. do it. I, you know, like the the, the top of the, the bottom of the food chain of those Saw movies or torture movies, no way. And even, you know, like the father, I guess Anthony Hopkins was, and he has Alzheimer's. And I don't yeah. want to watch that. I mean, I might be missing some terrific performances or writing. I don't care. I, you know, we just watched a couple of very funny movies last night. Uh, Spirited is one of them. I love, we love that. And a movie called See How They Run. Spirited. I haven't seen that. Spirited is on, is on those cable channels. It's uh, Will Farrell and Ryan Reynolds. Terrific. Ah, uh, oh, yeah. Take on the, on the, on the Scrooge. Uh, yeah, you really should. And we saw last night See How They Run, Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan. Terrific Agatha Christie uh, takeoff. So anyway, that's what, that, you know, if, we, if I watch that, I'll watch fake violence. I mean, you know, like Game of Thrones and stuff and dragons burning. I don't care about that. That's, you know, that's special effects. But uh, heartfelt things, mothers dying, children dying, children kidnapped. that. No, leave my indoor fans alone. And once you have yeah. a child, too, that it takes a whole different uh, meaning, well, too, when you have you a kid. I, my my t kid's about to turn 10. And uh, I mean, we were watching The Mandalorian, and then of course, when The Mandalorian has to say goodbye to Baby Yoda, I I'm I got tears streaming down my face, and he I hear him say, "Man, I could see how someone could cry at this," and I'm looking at, "What are you made of stone?" <laughs> I'm blubbering. <laughs> well, you know, when I was a kid, when I was, and when my son was young, and we, I was watching crap on television, you know, violence. He walked out. He just would leave. He doesn't want to watch it. Huh. So I, I admire him for that. Now he's an editor, so you know he doesn't have to watch crap. He could cut it out. Yeah, I'm showing my son a lot of the movies that were so influential to me when I was his age, right around 1980. I just showed him the Blues Brothers the other night, which I know it's rated R, and there's some words in there, but man, it, that movie holds up. All those movies, Caddyshack, Stripes, The Jerk. That's that's. But of course, I probably saw them for the first time on my 19-inch television. With the cuts, oh. you know, and the and the the inserts of the substitute swear words, but you know, well, you see, words words don't bother me. My father told me a long time ago, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as a dirty joke. There's a good yeah. joke, 
and there's a bad joke. And if it's off color and it's good, great. If it's off color, it's bad. You know, and the same goes for jokes without any bad ones. So that, that doesn't bother me. And it, I don't think it bothered my son. I tell him, I can say that you can't. Just like I can drive a car, you can't. You can get, you know, I can make dinner, you can't. Don't say those words. <laughs> hey, I want to bring up, well, we've done two of the same shows. I did an episode of Dharma and Greg, as, and, and you also did, we did the, the Hughleys at the same time. Oh, my God. What yeah. was your experience on those two shows? Do you remember much about them? Not a lot. I did a couple of Dharma and Greg's. Once I played a rabbi and once I played the father of a kid who was, who was marrying an Asian woman. Uh, it, was, it was great. I mean, everything, you know, people say, oh, we, I'll, I'll digress. We did the, uh, uh, not necessarily the news, TV guy did an uh, interview with Soul. And then after the interview was over, a couple of days later, they called each one of us. He said, you guys seem to like each other. Isn't there any dirt? Isn't there anything that you, you know? And I said, we all said, no, we like each other. And we still do today. So, you know, you know, sometimes when I'm interviewed, people say, is there anything that you're never going to get anything negative out of it. I liked every, most every job I ever did. And I, for the most part, liked all the people. You know, I remember I didn't spend a lot of time with uh, with Dharma or Greg. I know Joel Murray directed one of the episodes, and he was a regular on that. Okay, I spent most of the week with Joel. We were in a golf store, and we just put we just putted. We just worked on our putting all week because yeah. that was my character. Well, he's a golfer. He's episode. a golf maniac. Great guy. And uh, and the Yulies, I remember I played Santa Claus, and somehow I had to get what do you call them? Not tattoo, but what do you call those things that that paste on? The tattoos. I had two snakes on my arm uh, that I had to Henna. do for the episode. Hey, Hannah. Hannah. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's Hannah. And I, for some strange reason, and I'm not a tattoo guy, but when I was walking around with those things, I would hit me. You know, and I felt and felt like a like a biker. Yeah. But that's what I remember about the Yulies. Uh, when you're, you know, as a guest spot, uh, unless yeah. you're a recurring character. You don't sure. hang out with the with the with the top of the call sheet a lot, unless they approach you. You know, yeah. If they if they talk to you, that that's you got to feel for it the out. Most part, you got to feel it out, and you got to for the most part stay out of the way unless somebody. Yes. You know, the, it, it, there's an old story and there's an old proverb in show business that an extra, if they say, "How did you like Stuart Packett?" Oh, oh, he's great, he's great. That's because you talk to them. If you don't talk to them, if you snub them, the extras, you know, they'll 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 badmouth you. You know, the only time that 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 I was standoff is if I ha if I am doing a big part, guest part, and I just need the time. Sure. You know, so I'll go off in the corner and I will and I will deal with anybody. But for the most part, you you know, you do these guest parts, guest spots, and you try to look around and see what's going on because I always I like shoulders and I like it now. I love. The insides of sets. I love the backs of cameras and the backs of flats in theater. I mean, I just like the world of show business. Yeah, it's it's just fun being on set. It's fun, and and actors, to be honest with you, are some of the most interesting people around. I mean, they just are uh, because of whatever is done in their brains to 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 create those characters or to create those moments. Anyway, so that's what I remember about the Yulees and about Diamond Greg. Okay, so the Hughleys, you had tattoos. I had a different part. I was a blackjack dealer on a cruise ship, and and there was the scene. And then right before we we did the live taping, they handed new the scene had totally changed, and the line was something right. like, uh, "the the girl that was with him was like, mm, you cute, you single," and he's like, "quick, pretend like you're gay," and I say, "pretend," 
why do you think you've been winning so many hands? And I'm like, oh, I'm gay now. What what, what happened? Was it something I was giving off? No big deal. But like, we're about to go, you know, live taping here. So that was my part on the least. Well, you know, you're talking about guest spots in, in life. I did a bunch of uh, night courts and stuff. And those guys were famous. Great show. You do the taping and then you do the second taping. And they'll hand you pages of new material. And you just have to, you have to do it. You just have to do it. It's not like, well, I can't do it. you got to do it. Uh, and you learn job. how to do it. You learn how to work fast. But it, that happens on, on uh, well, most every half hour you know, show that I've ever done. There's always changes within that. You know, you do a scene. The producers come on and I'll say this, say that, say you're gay. Sure. Hey, I've always been. No, that's not true. Yeah, it happens. It's, it's something that actors... And a few youngins are listening out there. You got to get used to it. I mean, oh yeah, I've been done it for a while, but uh, but you got to work fast, and you can't let things throw you. And better better yet, don't be an actor. Ninety five percent unemployment. Only two percent of that nine of five percent make a living. Be a financial guy like uh, uh, Dunk here. Just just stay out of show business. That's what I was supposed to be on Wall Street. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, be stay on Wall Street. Um, don't do no. what I did. I wouldn't trade any of it. I don't care. I, I wouldn't trade the experience. Uh, I've lived Well, life. that's the thing about actors. That's the thing about actors. You can't stop them. I mean, when you're young, people will say, like I say, it's you're going to have a rough 95% unemployment. You can't stop yep. them. And if you can't stop them, then don't stop because they'll find out okay. either they'll succeed or they'll yep. find out that uh, that the old timers were right. Right. Well, I mean, ninety-six percent of the people out here, isn't it? The, the uh, Freud, not nah, it's a definition of insanity: repeating the same behavior over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, that's ninety percent of people out in show business. We keep auditioning, and we just keep think it's going to be the big one. You know, that's just the that's way it exactly is. You right. have to be a little crazy. That's exactly right. Whenever you walk into that room, you got to think that you're the one that that just gets this job. I used to go to auditions. My wife used to tease me. So when I come home, I say, so when I get the job, I take this freeway to that freeway and I do that cutoff. And, and you don't have the job yet, but you got to have that that yeah. confidence to compete with a lot of time. There's a lot of good actors in, in the world, in California especially. There's uh, there's just too many. There sure are. You know, and it's not, some people there's get- There's way too many. There's way too many. And there's too, a lot of people who get jobs don't deserve it. A lot of people get jobs that don't deserve it, that actually do a decent job. And there are a lot of people who don't get jobs who really deserve it. But there's a lot of good people out there. In the, you know, you're competing with them when you're, when at least I was younger growing up and trying to make jobs. But then you realize we're all competing with everybody. I mean, anybody's competing with everybody. And yep. any number of times, especially in New York, if a girl went into audition for something and she says, thank you, she would say to the producer, because I used to help producers read, well, if you don't like me, Mary Sue is, is, is outside and she's going to be, she's very good. That's empathy. I've never done that. I never did that. No, I've never done that. Either. Hey, I'm great, but Steve, where do you see Steve? No, I used to go in there and say after the other says, you know, there's a couple of guys out there. I think they're serial killers. You don't want to even see them. <laughs> and then you have guys like my buddy Doug Stanhope who would do an audition. He's like, look, I know I'm not going to get this, but when I open the door to walk out, will you just all start cheering and clapping? <laughs> <laughs> just to mess with the people well, in the hallway. I've heard that story. I mean, I heard you said. I've heard that in some, some actors said. Just go. So. I used to walk out of the room and go, I'm sorry, where's wardrobe? Yeah, right, right. I, I tell you, see you on set. I, so, you know, what are you going to do? So you got to stand out some way. I, I, I had an audition, a callback for a commercial where they did clap. And I didn't get it. 
<laughs> yeah. Hey, it's good for everybody. I did, I got a commercial. I've got a commercial audition. I walked onto the set in the morning with my clothes under my arm, and they said, "We're we, the producers never saw your audition. We're gonna, we're gonna look at your audition." And I didn't get it. I said, "We don't." Okay. Oh. Not no. enough about me. Let's really yeah. talk about me. <laughs> what a horrible business we're in. So, uh, Stu, uh, what is it like being a Disney Channel original movie icon? You were Commander Plank in three Xenon movies. Yeah, Xenon, baby. Uh, do you still get recognized for that? What, what was that experience like working with Kristen Storms? Oh, Kristen Storms. Oh, the young girl who was Xenon. Yeah, yeah. Xenon, yep. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it was fine. It was fine. We did three of them, um, and I'm still very good friends with the writer and one of the actors who was in the second one. It was great. We got to, we went to Vancouver. We did the first one. We went to New Zealand to do the second one. We went to South oh. Africa to do the third one. Wow. And, you know, you met my, my stage wife, Holly Fulger, we're still very good friends. I mean, she's a terrific person. John Getz was in it. Rob Curtis Brown was in it. We're still good friends. Stu uh, Krieger, who was the writer. Um, it was great. It was, a, it was, I'm just trying to think about it. I didn't work with the kids a lot. Raven too was in the first one or the first. That's right. Two. So yeah, was Raven was in the uh, the first and third one, I believe. Yeah. So you know, and I did a couple of her. That's so Raven's. You know, later, not necessarily because I was in Xena, but Xena was great. I mean, it's like uh, I'm sorry to be boring, but you know, working is great, and seeing different yeah. parts of the country are great, and making friends on the set <laughs> are great, and uh, and you just hope that work breeds work, and uh, and. Xenon did. I mean, Cat Commander Plank went through, you know, went through three of them. And uh, although the first two were buyouts, uh, which means you, you get a certain amount of money and that's it. The third one at least generated some residuals. Uh, but that's, you know, you, you do it for the money, but you also do it for, you know, if you enjoy the work. Yeah, Xenon was, was, was great. And the kids, I don't know if they, I don't hang out with a lot of kids nowadays. But I have been recognized uh, for Commander Plank. You know, oh, Commander Plank. Yeah, occasionally I get that. <laughs> that's that's like that. Boy, they played that movie so often on Disney Channel. You should have a lot more money, man. Uh, I don't. I, I don't. Or I give it to you. I, I'll give every 43 cents that I got, I will give to you guys. Yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah, that. yeah, <laughs> yeah they, it is on the Disney Channel. It's on the Disney Channel. Uh, Dinosaurs and, and Xenon and a movie I did called Second Sight is on the Disney Channel. What, honey? Oh, Squanto. That, you know, Squanto is a movie that... Somebody asked me in an interview once, what movie did you do that didn't get a lot of recognition it should have? And I couldn't think of anything. But Squanto, Indian Warrior, which is kind of the base, the true story of, of the first Indian that brought the settlers and the Indians together in the first Thanksgiving. It was a terrific movie with a lot of great actors in it, English actors and American actors. The problem was that the same season Disney released Jungle Book, you know, and they had two, and they had two similar themed movies, and they decided to put their money on Jungle Book, mm. the bastards. But Squat, no, Squanto, if there's a movie that I wish had gotten more recognition, Michael Gambon was in it, Nate Parker, uh, Donald Donnelly, who was a very famous great Irish actor, uh, Mandy Patek, Mandy Patek, who? Adam Beach, who is now, uh, uh, Big celebrity, Mandy, Mandy Patinkin was in it. So yeah, that that movie should have gotten it. But that's a that's another Disney movie. Squanto, I'm gonna look for that. Squanto Indian Warrior. 
Uh, it might be hard to find, but it's it's certainly worth saying. It was what we did it in Nova Scotia in uh, Cape Breton, which is a gorgeous place to be. See, that's another thing about acting. You get to go to some nice yeah. places. You also worked with uh, Rick Moranis on Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. What was that experience like? Those movies oh, were so Rick big Moran. back then. Well, first, we, we did Big Bully first. I had a little part in a movie he did called Big Bully with uh, Rick and uh, Tom. Arnold, Rosanders. right? Tom Arnold. Is that Tom, Tom that Arnold? A, yeah, I remember that movie. Tom Arnold, yeah. So I did a little part in that. And then we hooked up again in the, not in the biblical sense, to do Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Uh, it, it was great. Uh, Rick, you know, Rick Morales, he's he's a wonderful, sharing, generous guy. The entire cast was, was great. And it was like basically four of us. Allison Mack was in it. Mila Kunis was in yeah. it. Yeah. You know. Who I've worked Bob, with as Bob well Paul. on uh, that 70s show. See, we're connected. We're all connected. Mila, Mila Kunis? Mila Kunis? Mila Kunis. Yeah, she was in that. She was in How Did We Shrunk Ourselves? And I think I did Nick Frino. She had a part in Nick Frino. Oh, she uh, did? But there was I a lot of good people. I completely in forgot it. that. Yeah, wow. Yeah, she, she had a little part. Uh, but uh, what were we talking about? Which one were we talking about? Uh, Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Uh, terrific experience. Dean Cundy was the director who was Spielberg's go-to cinematographer. Uh, it was the first made-for-video project. Literally, the first one that they said, this is going to video. A lot of failures right. go to video, but this was made for, for video. It was green screen. And, uh, and a bunch of special effects and a lot of laughing. And, and it was just, it was a swell experience. That, that's, I can't say my, Rick, Rick was very, Rick, Rick's wife died uh, suddenly and unexpectedly. And Rick gave up uh, his career to take care of his kids, yeah. which is an admirable, admirable thing for years. He just maybe not get back in the business. Yeah. But you can't say enough about that guy. You can't say enough about that. And he's funny and he's fun to work with. And, you know, we laughed a lot. It was a terrific experience. Had you done, done any green screen before? That's a very specific kind of acting. Right. Well, not necessarily the news. We did some green screen. Uh, uh, um, some special effects with that. But this was, like, mostly green screen. They had some oversized props, which he's... Yeah, yeah green screen... Uh, you just gotta, you gotta, gotta pretend. I mean, you know, oh, look, there's a giant ant. Ah, you know, yeah. you gotta, nowadays, I don't know if you guys. You're looking at a tennis ball. Yes, absolutely. But nowadays there's something called volume. I don't know if you know that. It's laser screens, vi video LED screens that surround the set. And you, you're like, you're there. It, wow. You're like, it, the difference between that and green screen, you see a show called, 1899, which is a su sort of supernatural thing on one of these paint. They did it all with that. And you you think, and the actors think, you're look, you're on the ocean. I mean, you, that's what you see. You see the ocean, you see the desert, you see the sky. It's astounding. Compared to that, green screen is, is yeah. dinosaurs. I mean, green screen is. But, you know, but when I was doing it, it was all exciting because you learn all that stuff. You're right, with the tennis balls and you have to stand. Yeah. You can't walk on the set because your shoes are dirty, you got to help. It was just, you know, it was an exciting experience. That's it. Now, you you have worked with some unbelievably, like, just these names. Sherman Helmsley, uh, Frank Marshall, Mel Brooks, John Goodman, Fred Willard, Jeff Daniels, Michael Douglas, Larry David. Any particular wisdom that you, you receive from these unbelievably talented people that off the top of your head that you've worked with? 
I haven't heard of those guys. You say them again? <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, Chris wrote them down. You know, when, <laughs> when you work with, uh, well, quote, celebrities, when you work with, you know, famous people, you, you watch them uh, and people who do plays for long periods of time, theater, and they work with the same actor in the same scenes for weeks or months. They say that they can learn things. When you work with with people in a shorter period of time, like I think favorite attraction was with Michael was, you know, maybe four or five weeks. And and you don't really, you observe them, you know. But I can't honestly say that, oh, yeah, there's a revelation. I just watched him do that scene that it's, it's revelatory. Sure. It's, it's an epiphany. I just... I can't, I can't honestly say that because film is so quick. It's, you know, you pop, 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 pop. Uh, Mel, uh, I worked with him three times, and when he was doing Life Stinks, he was the director, the producer, the writer, the star. I mean, he, yeah. on, in one of the hottest periods of Los Angeles, the heat waivers, and he had a lot on his plate. So I always yeah. watched him. But what am I going to learn from Mel Brooks? I mean, you know, the 2,000-year-old man? No, I mean, you, you just watch him. And uh, they, like like John was in, John Goodman was in uh, uh, Arachnophobia and The Artist. We did that together. Yeah, you work with a lot of wonderful people, but y you don't, unless something spectacular happens that, that catches your eye, you just sure. watch them work and you got to concentrate on your work. You have to do your job. You can't, you know, have your mouth open looking at, you know, somebody doing something and then they say, and it's your turn. Oh, hello. you know, you can't do that. You got to. You got to right. do the work, but working with those people, you know, it, it's just fun. It's just fun to to hang out with with celebrities. When I when I was doing the same thing with Beach Pumps, uh, the first year I was here, we used to have lunch at this 20th Century Fox cafeteria, which is the greatest cafeteria. I used to yeah. insist that I sat at the table with the guys facing the door, so I could see all the stars come in. Uh -huh. I was so starstruck, and I'm still a little starstruck. Every time you're on a lot like that, it's it's, it's romantic. Every yeah, time, yeah. And the thing is, I, I I I take it as a matter of pride if I see a character actor who maybe I know, maybe somebody would recognize, but I know their character. I will always <clears throat> do my best to go up to them and say, "I love your work." You know, I mean, yeah, because <clears throat> they don't get that that much. You know, there are. I I actually came up with something called I wanted to produce the Uskids, U S C A H. Unsung character actor honors, and I wanted to, I wanted to do a half-hour show pulling somebody out of the, uh, you know, out of showbiz who people know their faces, but sure. there have been books written about character. But I wanted That's a great to give them the Oscar award and show. It's a great idea. Nobody seen. I gave it to George Slatter. I gave it to, you know, my my not necessarily news people. It's still look. I still have it registered. If somebody was listening to this and they want to do that, this is going to launch it. With, this is going to launch it yeah, right here. To, I mean, I would love to do that because I would love to recognize some really good character actors. Well, anyway, that's why that's, we do this. That's, story that's why we do this show. We want to hear the minutia. We want to hear about the smaller parts that led to the bigger parts. We want to hear about the bad auditions. I have small we want to hear parts? about the struggle. Did you just say I have small parts? Wait a minute. Did you just say I have small parts? I, I no. I we want to know about no. We want to know about the the auditions. We want to know about the. Uh, the, the smaller roles oh, that see. lead okay, to the sorry. bigger roles, like the dues-paying moments. Okay. That's what we like to hear about. Misunderstanding. <laughs> it was a bad joke. Cut it out. There are no, no small there, parts. There are small parts. I, Just small. I got it. Small people. <laughs> you, bro you broke up a little bit. That's why I was confused. Chris makes, 
Chris, I do nothing. I show up. Chris does all the work. He's going to make us look amazing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what is your favorite acting role? Can you Do you have a favorite acting role from all of your extensive work? Probably. That's a tough My question because you've done so much. Yeah. I, I tell you, to be honest, let me just think about film and television. I love film attraction because it was uh, it turned out to be such an interesting, you know, an iconic movie. Amazing I movie. Doing that. And there was a bunch of improvisational stuff that we did together, you know, and especially the dinner scene. That's a part that I remember. Most of the parts that I love and remember are on stage, are plays really? that I've done. Mm. I mean, I've done 80, 90 plays over my long, teetering, tottering life. But if you, but those are the things, because you do them long enough so that you, they, they, they get into your head. You know, you just sure. you don't do them for a day and move on. So if if somebody if somebody said what's your favorite part I would have to say they were theatrical roles that I did I'm trying to think about you know not necessarily the news was was uh, a great experience I loved doing yeah. that because you had to do you got to do so many different things I'm just trying to I you know I'm just under and like I said everything or most things that I've done there's always a positive takeaway. You know, I mean, there's nothing that I rarely, I'm not saying always, but rarely you walk off the shack and say, I wish I had, you know. And I also regret every job I didn't take that I turned sure. down that somebody <laughs> wanted me to do because of various reasons. I'm, I'm an idiot. Now, let me ask you there. Are there some big ones that stick out in your head that you think that you turned out that went no, on to be huge no. that you, um, you can- They were guest boss one, Joe Flaherty and Anthony Newley we're doing doing a series and it was just i god bless them because i, I like them both but the show yeah. was just terrible and i was in the room my agent corralled me to go into this room and sitting there with these guys and he knew that i didn't want to do this project and i'm i'm tap dancing i'm flubbing around said well i you know maybe i i don't and joe flair looks at me and says, are you hot right now that you could turn down this job. I said, <laughs> what I wanted to say was, your script sucks. No, but, you know. <laughs> but there's nothing that I've turned down that I know of that's going on. You know, like somebody, there's a lot of big actors who've turned out major roles, and they may or may not have been as good as, as the guys who got it. But as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing that I've turned down. There weren't that many, you know, to be honest with you. But like if they were purient or, you know, the, the, the language wasn't great or the subject matter was a little off color. I didn't want to do it. I just saw an interview with Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler turned down Greece and he was like, oh, and then I went on to do what I did and he bought a jet. <laughs> like that's, those are life-altering roles right there. What do you think? Look, you've been working for a long time, which is, man, that that's winning in this business. It, longevity. What do you think is the is the is the best part about being a working actor, and we've touched on a little bit, what's the worst part of being a full-time actor? We know about the unemployment. Oh, that's an interesting question. The best part, if you like what you do, and this is everybody, if you like what you do, I mean, to, 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 to get a job, people used to say the audition is the orgasm, getting the job is the orgasm, doing the job is the, it, is that's the, the relationship. Thing, you know, the fatal way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in a sense, that's true. Yeah, but in a sense, that's true. I mean, but I always enjoyed doing it. I never did enjoy getting on a set and working. I mean, the best part of, of, of being an actor is you get on the set and you work and you meet people yeah. and you blah, blah. I mean, 
So I, I don't see any any more. I mean, I'm trying to think. Is there a, is there a downside to being a working actor? I don't think so. Did somebody yeah. that has people answer that question and said there's there's the worst side to it? Because I can't well, think of anything. I mean, the 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 unemployed. You mean you're always you're always looking for the next job. Every time you say there's one job, the uncertainty. You, you, know, you, you say I'll never work again. So that's that's a little bit of a negative. Yeah. And you wait, you wait, you wait, and then you get the next job or you don't. But that that's the o that's the only downside of being a, a working actor. Hoping, but it's like Brian Dennehy. So Brian Dennehy in an interview said, "No matter how successful I am, <clears throat> he wanted to be Rod Steiger." You know, he there's always something another actor, you know, wants to do. Maybe you know, so many comics have have fairly successfully done dramatic roles. You know, as a guy who's done mostly comedy, I would I I enjoy doing dramatic roles. I don't usually do. I did a the last movie before the pandemic. I did Deep in the Forest. I kind of it was kind of a dramatic role, and uh, I did years ago a house calls when I played a uh, sort of a deranged bomber. I was going to blow up to a hospital. But I don't get a lot of those. I would like to do that. I would nah. like to, I used to tell people I like to play a sociopathic killer who eats babies. That's the kind of character I would like. I would like well, that's a Democrat, right? Just Isn't as, that what they think? Just, just, just as something different. Hollywood Democrat, we babies. It's a dream to crawl. So I, you know, to, to get back to your question, after you cut all that brain dirty stuff out of the way, uh, um, uh, I can't think of anything really, except for unemployment, you know, or when you get too old to do certain things, or you get too old, to be cast, I mean, this this actor of a certain age thing is in Holly in Hollywood is is prevalent and it's true. I mean, there is yeah. not a lot of not a lot of I know a lot of character actors, but very few. There's a handful, maybe two handfuls that work all the time, uh, you know, and other people don't. So that's a da that's a downside. When you can't do what you love to do, that's a, that's a downside. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't like all the downtime. I I adore it. I just want to be on the set. And, you know, something to do if you get, for younger people, you get an opportunity. Don't sit in your dressing room. Go down the set and watch. And you'll people are going to notice that. If you're around and you're watching, they they notice that. Don't just be in your room on your on your phone. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. First of all, you're right. Second of all, you got to be on the set to be able to get out of your dressing room to go down there. You got to be right. careful. Right. Third right. of all, the first thing I... One of the first film things I did, I was an extra in a, in a movie, wonderful movie called Next Stop Greenwich Village. If you don't know about it, look it up. It's, it's a wonderful movie. And we had to audition as actors. We had to go down and dressed in the 50s. We had to be costume and makeup. And I got a job as an extra. Bill Murray was in that movie. Uh, a lot of other, uh, a lot of other, two or three other fairly famous people. But that's exactly what I did. They had us in a holding room up in a, up in a warehouse. And I used to sneak down and stand behind the camera to see what was uh, going on. I'd never seen anything like that. I'd never seen yeah. when music is playing and then it stops and people talk. What happened to music? I never saw walls that opened up and the camera Most. goes over. How can, they, how can they do that? You know, it was I, and I, I did that for a few days. And then the AD saw me doing this and he gave me a part. He gave me a speaking part. It's the first speaking part I had in the movie. And, and he did that because he saw that I was interested enough to, yeah. to be involved in that movie-making thing. And, and I, I, you know, it wasn't a lot of money, but it was something. It was my first speechy part in a Hollywood movie. So, yeah, you're right. If you if you happen to be on the set, if you're lucky enough to be on the set, yeah, get down there. Listen to people. 
you know, watch yeah. what's going on. I mean, I'll it's bet taking you people, the initiative. actors are, well, the actors, you know, on, on series, when they direct, that's, that's how they start to learn how to do that. You know, they go right. down and they ask questions. So, yeah, I mean, Curiosity might have killed a captain. It never killed an actor. It's <laughs> a great quote. Is that an original, Stu? Yes, it is. You should coin that. Ins- I like that. You inspired me. <laughs> Do you have any grant? What's your what's your advice for anybody getting into the business right now? We've touched on a lot of it, but anything more that you think that you can add for a young performer who wants to break into this and and who has just dreams of working for forty years like you have? Well, um, uh, I already said that you you know if you can do anything else, do it. You know, Um, if people ask me, for instance, why don't you teach if you're not working? And I said, I don't want to stand in front of a class of bright eyed, you know, glistening kids and tell them to go into a business with all that unemployment. But, and I, and I still believe that, but if I had to say, if somebody can't, like I said, if you have to do it and you can't be assuaged, you can't turn away from it, what you got to do, at least in my day, I don't even know if it's the same thing, get the the trades get backstage get you know hollywood reporter and look to see what's casting do yep. showcases go online now yeah of course just you probably don't even have newspapers you don't have to get online. ink on your fingers anymore that's right see what's casting plays see showcases sometimes agents have showcases there's sometimes they're not you know above board uh, and you gotta look really carefully into that before you pay an agent to to look at an audition yeah. But there are m- many theater companies in Los Angeles. Now, some of them are, are companies, and it's hard to get in. But there, are, that's what that's what I suggest you do. AFI has a uh, you know student film program. Yes, that, uh, good, great you, advice. You know, you could, that that's that's what I, I would tell a young kid to do uh, to get up on your feet uh, and and do showcases, do films. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing online if you Google you know student film projects, USC, UCLA. AFI, you're going to find something. My my godchild went through USC and she she did those student films and you know and there's a lot of them out there. My sure. my friend Bob Mandel, who was a was a fairly successful director and ran AFI, and he did any number of films and his students did any number. So that's it. That's what I would do. Uh, theater. I always believe in theater first because you learn a lot from working in front of an audience and doing something uh, repeatedly. Uh, <clears throat> And then learn to work hard. Don't be don't be disappointed. Learn learn how to learn your lines real fast, you know. And then when you get into movies and television, then you got to work fast. Then you got to learn how to work fast. But that would be my that would be my steps: theater showcases, student films, an agent, getting an agent, and then hopefully you know being able to to to, to deliver when you get a job. But that's it. But be a financial advisor. Yeah, exactly. You know, marry somebody rich with a steady job. That helps too. Well, there you, there but you just go. Just auditioning for go. those uh, independent films, that's just working that muscle. The more you audition, the better you get at it, the less intimidating it becomes. And and if you stick right. in this long enough, you get to a point where you're older than the people that you're auditioning for and something changes. I was always a oh, little bit that... scared and intimidated in my 20s. And now I'm like, I, I've been, I've had the, crap beaten out of me in life what what a 30 year old's not going to intimidate me ever again it's just there's there's you get some kind of gravitas at some point where you just you kind of you know what you're doing and you don't care as much 
Well, <laughs> a friend of mine, uh, it was a, an actor. Uh, we met up at an audition talking about being older than your thing. And I'm going to mess up this story because he was, it was great. But he says, I got out of this audition and I look at the auditioners and there's a casting director uh, and an assistant or a director, assistant director and the casting director. And you want to go, you, know, you want to go, hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Oh, how are you? You're so cute. Because <laughs> these kids are so young. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Great advice, though. People, our audience was very excited that we were talking to you today. We actually got a lot of fan questions. I'm not going to ask all of them, but I wanted to ask a few of the fan questions. Sure. Uh, so we we post, a, you know, who we're talking to, and uh, here is what people want to know from Stu. Um, so Sean Lacey wants to know when you first heard about dinosaurs, what was your initial impression? Like, did it seem like a crazy idea at the time? Cause it was so unusual. Like, was that, was your first impression? Like, oh, this is, this is really weird. No, absolutely not. I mean, if you've been in, in show business long enough, you, 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 you never yeah. say, oh, this is really weird. <laughs> I mean, you read the script, the script was funny. You know, the scenes were funny, and the puppets, there was an exhibit. Wow, I said, this is, and the Henson Company, it was Henson Company. We, yeah. You know, I'd seen them work with puppets before, and I, I no, weird, no, exciting, you know, and, and yes. So, Sean, yeah, it was, it was, I look forward to it. Uh, so, thanks for asking, and keep yeah. watching. On a He also asked, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much of the mama were you? You mean my character is Earl and in me in real life? How, how much of the Bacon? How how much of the well maybe I think he was just making a joke. He said, "How much of the mama were you?" Because you're not the mama. So how much of the I'm mama the, oh, I were see. you? I, yeah, I am not. I am not the mama. Yeah, uh, Jessica Walter, the great late Jessica Walter, was the mama. I actually, wrote a song for that for for nine. Well, I wrote a bunch of songs, but. Remember the song, I'm the baby, gotta love me. Remember that song from Dinosaurs? That's right. You wrote, wrote that it. song, right? I did. With uh, with Ray Colcord. Oh, my gosh. We we watched that video so much when we were kids on, like, repeat. We saw yeah. that music video so many times. And I, I just found yeah, out that you wrote that, uh, which was incredible. And me and Ray. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a great collaboration. And uh, uh, just it was an inspiration. I, it just... It, you know, it comes to you and Ray tweaked with the melody and stuff and the, and the lyrics. It was, it was tremendous fun. And I'm, that's another thing I'm grateful for, for Dinosaurs, that I got that, you know, to do that song, to write that song. Yeah, it's so catchy. It is. It is. Well, yeah. a lot of that is Ray, but uh, he's he's passed away, so I'll take all the credit. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's awesome. Um, I watched I watched with my family growing up, so this is something I watched with my dad quite a lot. So when he heard I was talking to you, he had to get a question in. Uh, do, do you have any favorite episodes or favorite lines? Um, he's a huge fan and didn't know if you had any particular favorite uh, lines or episodes, anything like that? Uh, you know, we did a lot of them, so I, I, I don't remember specific. I remember the, the ending, the last episode was... I also remember doing a scene with, with uh, Richfield, Sherman Hemsley. I think the line was, I was I was screwed up and he was gonna punish me. And I said the hire was, Shall I expose my soft underbelly to you, sir? I like that line. <laughs> or shall I now expose my soft underbelly? Yeah, I like that. There's a lot of it, you know, Fran. I mean all those all those things. But uh, thanks, Dad. Uh, Vincent James, so he he I'm sure he'll appreciate this. Uh and finally some non dinosaur 
questions. Uh, Jim Pellegrinelli, Pellegrinelli says, when is HBO going to make not necessarily the news available to stream? Never, probably. Uh, Never. Believe me, he's not the first guy to ask that question. The actors have asked that question. The writers are. The problem with streaming not necessarily the news is one, the producers, or maybe, maybe the network thinks it's dated. And it is. It's a long time ago and the political references are, are old. The other thing is because of union necessities. We had a lot of writers on the show. I mean, a lot. And I think every writer, because of the contract, no matter if they worked on the show or not, if the show ran, they would have to be paid. So you're talking thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars for, for these writers that, that I don't know that HBO could recoup by yeah. by running the, the show again. So I, 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 it's not the first time people have asked me. I, I would love to have it, you know, to, to be able. I have all the copies of it. Incidentally. If anybody wants to send me a self-addressed stamped envelope in $1,500, I'll send you every episode that I have. But no, HBO <laughs> HBO is uh, is not going to rerun not necessarily the news as much as all of us. All the, all the cast uh, would love to see that. I think you could probably still catch a lot of that on YouTube. I've seen a lot of it on YouTube. So. Yes. Yes, you can. They do run episodes on YouTube. So that that's maybe not all of them. We did about 80 of them. Set, you know. So yeah, you, you can get them on YouTube. That's a great... I, sh I didn't think about that. That's a great way to watch the show. I'm not going to get any money, but it's a great way to watch the yeah, show. That, that. <laughs> for the art, right? Good yeah. for you. Good um, for you, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and finally, uh, Andrew Elderbaum asks, are you still upset that you're robbed of an Oscar for your role as Dudley in Hollywood Nights? <laughs> yes. I had, I was sleepless for weeks that, that, that Dudley <laughs> didn't get an Oscar. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't think it even passed my mind that, that, uh, <laughs> that Dudley nominated for an Oscar. Although... It was one of the most fun parts I ever I ever did. I mean, uh, Hollywood Dice was, you know, it's it's a little raunchy. I admit that, but uh, by that time I'd gotten over my my qualms about raunchiness. Uh, yeah, I love Dudley, and uh, and if any, if anybody wants to send me a self-addressed stamped envelope and an Oscar, I'll be happy to respond to that. But yeah, thanks for asking about Dudley because I I, I love doing Dudley. It was a very it was a fascinating shoot. It was all nights. The entire shoot was all nights, which was yeah. interesting in itself. So that's Dudley. Well, before before we let you go, we just uh, we want to ask you what what do you have coming up next? What are you working on? What are you promoting? Where can people find your stuff? Where can people find you if they want to learn more and follow your career? Well, uh, there's they can go on IMDb uh, to see what's to see what was going on. Like yeah. I said, the last movie I did. Before the pandemic was deep in the forest, it was uh, it was a movie um, that Savan produced. It I don't know. It was supposed to go on on various cable outlets. I'm not sure if that happened. I'm actually doing a movie, uh, a little part in a friend's movie next uh, next month, which is hard Great. When I play another rabbi talking to a dying guy, so you know. But beyond that, um, you know, uh, uh, it's downtime. You know, it's just downtime, and if. Uh, if somebody wants to hire me, send me yourself into a stamped envelope. There you script. go. <laughs> Get down to the mailbox. I, I'm sorry. I do want to plug uh, your cameo because your cameo is still active. Uh, Cameo.com oh, yeah. slash Stu Pankin. Uh, you can, looks like you offer personalized videos and business videos too. So, uh, hey, it looks like totally worth it. Uh, 
check it out. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for I joining mean, us. And just it's an honor to talk to somebody who's just done so much in this business. And thank you for imparting your knowledge for for our enjoyment and for the youngsters out there trying to get into this crazy business. We really appreciate it and uh, continued success and health and the happiness thanks, to you Pat. and your family. Thank you so much for being Flat. with us. Happy holidays to everybody. And it's a pleasure talking to you. You as well. All right. Pleasure, Steve. Take care. Wow. That's two guests in a row that have basically 80, 90 years of acting experience in this industry. Uh, that was a really, really great conversation. Yeah. Um, no, that was particularly really kind of surreal for me. And we've talked to some amazing people on the show, but like I was in elementary school when I was watching Stuart on TV. And that's, it, it just was for me, one of the more surreal ones. Uh, cause we, my, my brother and I used to watch him every Friday on Nick Frino, um, you know, and dinosaurs before that. We didn't know it was him at the time. But um, and I just... have partied with Nick Frino. I partied with him many times, so it's cool for me because this nostalgia thing is like a, it's a different generation for you and me. You know, it's like I I yeah. can talk to the guy about when he did Darm and Greg, and and you can talk to him about a show that I I really didn't have. You know, wasn't on my radar because I was really out on the road doing stand up for the first time during those years. So it's just uh, it's just really cool the duality of this show and how we uh. We're excited to talk to people for different reasons and different, um, you know, uh, places in their career. So that was really, really great. Absolutely. I, I did feel like I fanboyed a little bit with this one, at least on the inside. You got to, man. You got to. Why not? That's part of the cool thing about doing this. So, yeah, uh, we yeah. really appreciate you joining us again. Keep checking out the old episodes. Keep checking out the merch, the Patreon, all the good stuff. And we've got other amazing guests lined up. We're keeping, we're just cranking along here. Season two. Yeah, yeah. DorkDaily.com slash DunkleVision or Patreon.com slash DorkDaily. Be a dunk, a dork for dunk. Dorks for dunk. Dude, more merch. More Let's merch. Let's get a t-shirt printed up. Dorks for dunk. And dunk for dorks. I'll get one that says <laughs> dunk for dorks. You all get one that says dorks for dunk. And we'll get together. We'll That's have a really Dunk sweet. Dork Fest. Dunk Dork Fest 2023. It's all happening. We'll see you next time on Dunkle Vision. We need a theme song. We'll work on that. <laughs>